Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs. I am your host, Christy Haberman. I am glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of our community. A few disclaimers before we get started. I am a licensed therapist. However, this podcast is not to be considered mental health therapy or counseling. It is for entertainment purposes only and is not associated with my counseling practice, Christy Haberman Counseling Services. Thanks for showing up. Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs, episode 11. I'm a little shocked to be saying episode 11. I just didn't think that I would get this far. Thank you for everyone that's been listening to my podcast. It's been growing by leaps and bounds, and I appreciate every one of you that's been listening and leaving me feedback on Instagram. So today I wanted to talk about nightmares. I don't, I don't know how many of you struggle with nightmares, but I know for me, especially since Christopher died, nightmares have really impacted my life in a pretty severe way. And I, I don't know how to fix it. I've done the counseling, I've done the EMDR, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but I'm thinking with grief that we just have to accept where we are, which is that we'll always have nightmares. And it's part of the PTSD that comes from the sudden and traumatic death of our children. So if I believe even if your child had cancer and went through that whole process, you're still traumatized. I just, I just don't know how you can't be. Because the world that we live in, our expectation is, is that we are going to live longer than our children. Because we don't, we don't have children and say, oh my God, he's going to die before I do. No, you think you have your child and you think about them growing up, what kind of sports they're going to be in, what kind of person will they marry? How many children will they have? You imagine a long life with them, not one that's cut short by tragedy. At least that was never my expectation. However, I've always been kind of a person that was interested in psychic phenomenon. So I remember having moments when Christopher was growing up, thinking that he wasn't going to be with us very long. And then I'd be like, oh, you're just a morbid person, Christy. God, how can you think such things? You know, you know, that's just not true. That's just anxiety. I'd talk it to, I've been in therapy off and on since my early 20s for numerous different reasons. And I would discuss it with my therapist that I'll be like, it's just anxiety. You know, they deal with facts. They don't deal with psychic phenomenon. And I'm not sure if they should. I just know for me that there, I've always had this sense of knowing. And that's the hardest, right? Because you ask yourself after it happens, why didn't I pay attention more? Why didn't I... Why did... 
But in the end, what difference does it make? I couldn't have done anything about the fact that Christopher died of cancer. There's, it was complete. I was completely powerless. So I just go my whole life with knowing that one of these days that it was going to come. I don't know. I don't know how to really make sense of that in my own mind. So I wanted to talk about dreams but nightmares specifically today. In my case, the nightmares always increase around the anniversaries. So Christopher's birthday is May 27th, coming up here in two weeks. The closer we get to Christopher's birthday, the more I'll have nightmares. The nightmares start almost immediately and involve him dying in some way. So my history with dreams goes way, way back. When I first started counseling in my 20s, I learned that for me, I'm not sure this is the case for everyone, but for me, I get a lot of information from my dreams. And the one that stands out to me the most is it was the first time I ever started counseling. And I've been going, I don't know for how long, it was so long ago, but it had to been at least a year. And I had this dream. And if you've ever lived out on the prairie, you see those big electrical wires and they have the arms hanging down and they're carrying electricity from one town to the other. And they kind of look like they march across the, across the prairie. When I was a little kid, I used to think those were monsters. And I, as we were driving, I would imagine them, you know, chasing a car. You know, I had, I had quite the active imagination, but to me, they've always been monsters. Well, in my dream, I started dreaming that this monster-like thing started to get into concrete and it was starting to become solidified and it wasn't movable anymore. And I come to understand in my own self that that was my personality developing and becoming who I was through this process of counseling. And after that experience, I've always paid attention to my dreams. So if there was a decision that I was coming to, I would dream about it. And then I started doing dream analysis and I got to be pretty good at it where if I had a dream and one that kept me up, I would do dream analysis and see what is the message that my dream is trying to tell me. And so I'll just give you some basic ones. So when you're dreaming about a road and there's some kind of vehicle, it doesn't matter if it's a truck, a car, that is you on your path of life. That's just simple. If you're dreaming of your house, then that would be you're dreaming of yourself. And all those different rooms in your house are all different aspects of yourself. If you're dreaming of people, those people in your dreams are an aspect of yourself. Except for me, um, when I have what I call my precognitive dreams, um, they can be their messages to me. 
So they can be things that are coming. They can be things that decisions that are going to come, helping me make sense of a recent decision I made. So for me, my dreams have always been something that I'm, I've used to help guide my decision makings. And so if you're interested in psychic dreaming, Edgar Casey used to do a lot of psychic dreaming and he would do psychic readings for people. So he was born from 1877 to 1945. And I did, did a lot of research into him after Christopher died. And so what Edgar Casey would say is that he, someone would come to him and ask a question and then he would go to sleep. And then when he got up in the morning, he'd use the content of his dreams to give that person a psychic reading. There's also a famous psychologist called Carl Jung. It's German, so it'd be G-U-N or J-U-N-G. And he said that our dreams come from our collective unconscious. So an example of his would be snakes. And he said, there's this collective unconscious that we all tap into. And so when we have a fear of snakes, it's because we had an ancestor that had an experience with snakes. It went into the collective unconscious. So we all learned to be afraid of snakes. There's also this concept in historical trauma with Native Americans, which say, and they were the first ones that I've heard come up with this concept, is that you carry your ancestors' trauma. And so when you think about it is the trauma that your mom experienced, you were an egg in her tummy if you're a female or even if you're a male. And so you experience that trauma. So when you're born, you have your mom's trauma and then you have your own trauma. And so that's how it's passed down from generation to generation. So it's not hard to believe that there is information that's not related to trauma that is passed down from parent to child, from parent to child, from parent to child. And so there's this whole field of psychic dreaming and one that I am particularly interested in. That is until Christopher died. Because that's when my nightmares really started. And I had had nightmares off and on. So I had a reoccurring nightmare from when I was little. And that was that there was someone trying to get through my bedroom door and was trying to get to me. And there was this hand reaching through the door and you're slamming the door and you're slamming the door and you're slamming the door. And um, you're just so scared and your heart is pounding. Then the next part of my dream is that I'm hiding beside a twin bed. And then whoever that person is gets me. And I have this dream over and over and over and over again. Well, it never resolved itself until one day um, during the dream, that hand that was coming through the door got me. And then the dream is over. I, and it's just so weird. 
I mean, it's so vivid. I can see it now. It's a plaid arm. It's coming at me and I can feel it. My heart is starting to race and I'm like, ah, you know, um, and then it's gone. So I'm not unfamiliar with nightmares. But after Christopher died, I would dream about him dying over and over and over again every night. Every night he'd die in every way that you can imagine. And I quit doing dream analysis, at least for myself, after that. Because I, there was no way to resolve it. Like, no matter how many different ways I wanted to make Christopher not be dead, I couldn't. He was still dead. You know, and it'll be 10 years in June. And I know that I have accepted that he is dead. But I still have these moments of panic. And I still have these nightmares that haunt me. So three nights this week I've had nightmares. One especially last night. Which is why we're talking about this. And what's so hard about them is like, if you could wake up and you could say to yourself, that was just a nightmare. And that the monsters are in your dreams, right? So they can't get you in waking life. So you're safe with the light on. You're safe when you wake up. But when it comes to grief, you're not. Because you wake up and you realize your nightmare is true. It's 100% true. Your child is dead. He's still dead. He's not coming back. And it's hard. It's really hard. And, and it will stay with you. All day long. I remember the feelings. I remember the, the heart racing. I remember the crying. But I'm fond of saying I don't have any tears left because they're all gone. So you just feel it. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if any of you have gotten to the point in your life where you can't cry anymore because there's just no more tears left, but that is where I am. <laughs> in fact, I have, and I'm going to talk about this on a, on a podcast because, because I think it's very interesting, the connection between my grief symptoms and my medical symptoms, but I have dry eye, which literally means I don't have any lubricant in my eyes, and I'm convinced it's because I cried them all out, and it's all gone. But then I'm like, okay, so if you replace the <laughs> lubricant in my eye, does that mean I'm going to cry some more? Because I don't want to wake up crying anymore. And your heart is racing. And I don't know how, and I don't know how to resolve it. So for this podcast, I start doing a little bit of research. So the amygdala which is at the very back of your brain. That is your fight, flight, or freeze part of your brain. And so when you have post-traumatic stress disorder, that is activated. 
And evidently it's activated, according to the research I did, it's activated when you sleep. And so your body is on hyper alert. So one of the things about post-traumatic stress disorder is in any kind of trauma is that your ability to, your body doesn't have the ability to calm itself down. So you're always stuck in hyper alert all of the time. And theoretically through counseling, through EMDR, which I've already done, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, you should be able to calm your amygdala. Hence, you would not have nightmares anymore. But that has not been the case for me. And I'd be curious to see if any of you, so I'll try to put this on my, a poll on my podcast, is how many of you have nightmares and how often are you having the nightmares? Because mine increase around the anniversaries and then they really decrease now, decrease after. So Christopher died on June 19th, 2011. He was diagnosed with his Hodgkin's lymphoma on May 27th. Those three weeks, every year, I'm grouchy, I'm irritable, I have lots and lots of nightmares. And in all of them, my son is dying all over again, over and over and over again. And then I have nightmares about my other son dying. So I'd really like, just like to be curious about that. And sometimes I can wake myself up. I'll wake myself up from my dream. I'll be like, oh, it's just a dream. And then I go back to sleep and the dream starts all over again. I also will not be sleeping. So in the morning, I have what's called, and I call it dream residue. I have never seen this described in the literature any, anywhere, not even in the, on the spiritual side when I look into like lucid dreaming or psychic dreaming. I've never seen this really described, but I call it dream residue. And when I wake up in the morning, I still... I'm experiencing the feelings that I had from the dreams from the night before. And sometimes I can have them for days afterwards. So like I can vaguely remember them what happened last night, which is, is that um, Christopher was little, probably two or three. And he was sitting on my lap and somebody took him away and he wasn't coming back. You know, and then I kind of wake up while I'm sleeping, the hair standing up on the back of the back of my head and I go back to sleep and I'm right back into that dream again where somebody's taking him away and I'm never going to see him again. Then I wake up in the morning and I'm grouchy and I'm irritable because I woke up and I realized somebody did take him away. 
You know, he died. He's not here anymore. And so in essence, your nightmares become true. And for people that are non-grievers, I don't know if they can understand that concept. But every morning after a nightmare that my son has died, I wake up to the fact that my nightmare is true. So then doesn't make it a nightmare. And before counseling, or before I became a counselor, and before Christopher died, I would have told you that dreams, including nightmares, are your body's way of making sense of your day. So does that mean it's taken 10 years for my brain to make sense of the fact that my son died? Could be. But on the flip side of that, it's making the unacceptable acceptable, but I don't know how long that's going to take because it feels like years. So after I discovered Edgar Casey and he has a whole institute where he teaches people to do psychic dreaming. I became very interested in psychic dreaming because I was like, maybe that's a way that I could communicate with Christopher. And I'm going to save the positive dreams for another podcast. But then I discovered Raymond Moody. So Raymond Moody was also a psychologist. And he studied life after death. I don't think he is still alive. And he did research on the afterlife and near-death experiences. So Raymond Moody would talk to people that had died and went to heaven and then came back. And then became very curious about that also. Because if I had a near-death experience, does, did that mean that I'd be able to see Christopher again? Because my whole goal was, I want to know where my son's at. I am not a person that deals very well with ambiguity. If you know me, like not through my podcast or like if you were a co-worker of mine, you would know that I, I do not deal well with cliches. I don't deal with people that aren't straight shooters. You know, don't talk out of both sides of your mouth to me. I know people like that. They drive me crazy because they will tell whoever's in front of them whatever they think that person wants to know, but you really can't get a feel for what they want. What? And then I call them sticky people. And I really don't like sticky people. Ideal and real. So I'm black and white, literal. So I literally want to know where Christopher is at. And it's very hard for someone like me. 
And then it's also, it doesn't help that my lack of spiritual foundation, so to speak, does not help because I don't have that strong faith that other people have that there's this place called heaven and he's safe and secure in this place because I just don't know that that is true. And I think that's based off of my life experiences. I've talked about that in previous podcasts where, uh, and maybe I haven't because my life was so traumatizing that it was really hard for me to believe in God because I couldn't understand why he put me where I am. I mean, why did you put me here? Why did you put me with my mother? Why do I have to suffer so much? And these are all thoughts I had as a kid. These are not the thoughts I have today. This is when I was a child. And then they talk about the original sin, how you're born a sinner. Yeah, I could never get on board with that theory. Like, even as a kid, like, I'm just, I'm just not that way. I'm just different. So I'm very literal. So back to the nightmares. So I want you to know. that the nightmares, I think, are just a part of us, just a part of us going forward. If you go to a therapist that tells you, oh, it's just your, (laughs) it's just your, your, you know, it's just your brain making sense. I know that that's true. But I do believe we have to find a way to cope with them. So what do I do to cope? I accept that I have nightmares. I accept that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be crying and I accept that I don't want Christopher to die and I accept that my nightmares are true. I don't fight it, in other words. And I don't talk about them with people because they'll say your dream's not true. Well, yes, it is true. doesn't matter how he died, he's still dead. (laughs) He still died. It breaks my heart, but he's still dead. So in that respect, I guess, at least in my case, my nightmares are true. So leave me some feedback on Instagram. You can email email me at grievinginsomniacs at gmail.com. I haven't gotten much traffic for Facebook. I think Facebook is kind of being phased out. And contact me on my website, kirstiehaverman.com. But let me know. Do you have nightmares? How are your nightmares? What kind of things do you dream about? I can help you with some dream analysis. Preferably not about your child, because that's just a brain-making sense. I can do that for a couple of people. I kind of enjoy it. Spiritually, I've been told that I can't do my own dream analysis. (laughs) I'm not sure what that's about. Maybe I was trying to get too much information about my dreams. But thank you for listening. Once again, I really appreciate all of you that are leaving me feedback, that are sharing with me on Facebook on Instagram. I just feel since starting this podcast that I'm not alone anymore. 
and that I feel like that we're building this community and I appreciate each and every one of you that listen to me and I appreciate you showing up. I'm here to listen. I'm here to help in whatever way I can. I don't do counseling anymore. Sorry, I'm restricted to um, the state of South Dakota for counseling, but I'm not accepting any new counseling clients. But I can help direct you in ways to help yourself cope. Because really, we are the experts of ourselves. And it's just finding what works for you, and I can help guide you in that way. So thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging in there with me. And this is Grieving Insomniacs, and I'm Christy Haberman, and I'll see you next week.